The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And a good evening to you, Monday night, 7.07, and welcome to Employment Law Show. John Scholes here along with Stan Fainzelberg, a partner at Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You can look that up. You got questions tonight or, as a matter of fact, about any time about employment rights, this is your show. As you know, if you've been terminated, uh, laid off, wrongfully dismissed, Harassed at work, experience changes to your job, human rights issues, COVID-19, vaccine questions, bring them on. 416-870-6400. Get the, uh, the answers you need over the next 48 minutes or so. We are ready to go. We hope you are as well. 416-870-6400. Email, which we're going to get through a bunch of tonight. Empty the inbox. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Stan, good to have you on again. Brother, what's the, uh, what's the opening salvo as far as the week that was? What do you got? Uh, a really interesting one, John, something that came out just last week involving uh, one of the big retailers that we all know and love, uh, The Brick, and uh, a case that I came across that I had to share with the reader, with our listeners because I thought it was just something that uh, is you know, novel and really shows the where, where judges see the law right now. Uh, so this case involved a, a 36-year employee with 50, mm. who was 57 at the time a supervisor working for the company. Uh, He got laid off in March due to the pandemic. And later on in the summer, the BRICS sent out a very weird termination letter. And I say it's weird because this is something that's specifically referenced in the decision. The way this letter was was written itself is actually a lot of the focus of this case and decision. Um, And it basically told this guy he's being let go, very vague, failed to include a lot of really relevant information for employees in terms of their entitlements, uh, what could happen if they didn't accept the package that was being offered, and a lot of information like that. So ultimately, this this case ends up in trial about a year later, and the judge comes out and makes the decision, not only does this guy get awarded the maximum, really, uh, notice period of 24 months, but on top of that, the judge actually comes out and awards the employee $25,000 in moral damages, wow. basically what we would call bad faith damages. And, you know, and that, a lot of that stems from this letter that was issued to the employee at the time of termination. And so the judge actually identifies four reasons why he is giving this employee $25,000 for bad faith conduct on behalf of the company. So the first that he identifies is a lack of transparency and fair dealing by the brick in the termination process, basically saying that, you know, this letter failed to identify what would happen to this employee if he didn't accept whatever the brick was offered. Essentially, you know, what the letter seems to have failed to say is that even if you don't take what we're offering to you, you are still entitled to your minimum entitlements and you still have rights notwithstanding, you know, that we're making an offer to you or we're being terminated. Essentially, what it seems like the judge was saying to the company is that you company 
need to have a positive obligation to inform this employee at the time of termination, at their lowest point, what their entitlements are. Not, you know, not that the employee has this own obligation, that the company has this obligation. And, and the second point kind of feeds into the, the first one, which is that it was there was a lack of transparency and fair dealing that in telling the employee that his benefits would have continued beyond the statutory notice period that in the uh, in the BRICS offer. So essentially, you know, they make this offer and fail to tell the employee that the benefits continue if you accept the offer as well. Again, and something that, you know, arguably the BRIC didn't have an obligation to make that type of offer to the employee. I mean, you know, they have this obligation, no question, to offer employee benefits for the first six, eight weeks or the statutory minimums in the statute in the Employment Standards Act. But generally speaking, anything after that, and while, yes, an employee does have an entitlement to benefits for the notice period, it's all negotiable. You know, sometimes you can negotiate instead of benefits to give that person money. But here it seems that the judge said, well, you should have actually told them that this was going to continue because that seems to be what you intended. The interesting stuff. Point, yeah, yeah, interesting no, stuff. Keep it up. What else you got? Yeah, keep it going. Uh, the third point here is yeah. that the judge actually noticed that Ubrick, again, failed to tell this person that not during the notice period, you would continue their vacation pay. And again, this is an obligation that a lot of people seem to miss, a lot of companies seem to miss, but during at least the statutory period under the Employment Standards Act, you have to pay vacation on those, you know, eight weeks maximum under the ESA. A lot of people, and frankly, lawyers don't even know that. Uh, and the judge admonished the company for not doing that. And then the last point the judge points out too is that all of this stuff, along with other points that are, are talked about in the, in the decision, other minutia in terms of how the money was dispersed, you know, all of that collectively caused the employee to suffer mental distress beyond the usual hurt feelings that we would expect a person to feel in the terminate in the situation of being terminated. And in looking at all of that again collectively and looking at the context, I think, of the pandemic, and, and essentially saying to the company that you have to protect these people beyond the normal circumstances, all of that seems to have added up for a twenty-five thousand dollar windfall for the employee based on the the company's conduct. So again, I mean, John, really a very interesting decision. I think what it says, you know, what, what it's ultimately saying, what I've more and more come to believe is that equity, you know, this concept of treating people fairly, that, you know, that there are obligations beyond those written down in the laws to people by companies because of the, uh, you know, the power imbalance, because of the fact that there is such a vulnerable position that you're placing these individuals, these terminated employees in, that companies have to go above and beyond the normal, you know, what we, we would normally expect and, and really just treat them fairly and, and be honest with them, even if it's a, to their own detriment. Be honest with them in telling them what their rights are, even if it means that you have to pay more as a company. Yeah, it's interesting, too. It just also goes to show that even a big, big, you know, long-time sophisticated employer, they don't always know what's right and know what to do. It's not just your little uh, little mom-and-pop shops. 416-870-6400, that is the number to call through tonight and ask your questions in that regard. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for standing by for a few minutes. How are you tonight? Fine, thank you. Great. What's, uh, what's on your mind? 
So I work for a large corporation, healthcare, in the healthcare world uh, mm-hmm. at a hospital. And I've worked there 23 years in a professional capacity. And my hours have been 10 till 6 during that entire time. And uh, I actually have been at one particular job for 15 years where I was recruited from another part of the hospital. And those hours, those hours were part of that recruitment. Uh, I've just been advised over the last couple of weeks that they would like to change that to 7.30 to 3.30 as opposed to 10 to 6. And uh, I have about, it's roughly an hour, hour and a half commute as is. So, uh, and, and a lot of, of that 7.30 to 3.30 is rel- relatively drastic. So I'm just wondering if I have any, uh, it's a non-union job, by the way. It's, if yeah, I, have that, any, I was going to ask you that any, firstly, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I have any options in regards to uh, accepting uh, or or not. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, is there any contract specifically that sets out those times or or, speci- or may have said anything about that they have the right to change your hours? Do you, have you have yeah. signed a contract like that? No contract in place uh, over, no contract. Over, the entire, over the entire time. And when you negotiate, you know, to leave that uh, position you had for 15 years and you moved over to the new position and you're saying you negotiated the hours explicitly in as part of that move, right? Well, they were uh, for the first eight years at the other at the other part mm-hmm. of the hospital, they were 10 to six. And when I was recruited over to the mm-hmm. to a, really, uh, a more specific uh, uh, unit, the hours were continued on and have been in place with no issues whatsoever for the last 15 years under a number of, uh, you know, I've seen managers, directors, supervisors come and go over that time, as you can appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's never been an issue and it's not an issue relative to, you know, job performance availability or anything. I, I think it's just a matter of them saying, we have eight different people in the hospital doing this kind of work and we mm-hmm. want to get, we want to get everyone in a cookie cutter situation. That's, that's the only thing I can imagine is that they're, you know, what they're trying to do. I don't know why they, they yeah. definitely, it's, this is not any sort of, and I realize it's not any sort of a constructive dismissal. They absolutely do not want me to go. I know that very clearly. Well, well that, I mean, I was going to say that is actually a constructive dismissal, but again, a constructive dismissal, you have to remember, doesn't mean they want you to go. It means that they're changing the terms of your agreement in a way that breaks your agreement effectively. You know, sure. having worked somewhere for as long as you have based on your schedule, it's very, you know, very clear to say that that's a term of your agreement. Now, you're saying you don't have a written contract, then you have an oral contract. You have an implied, implied contract here. Right. And it, it could be, I would say very clearly that one of the implied terms is that you work 10 to 6 since you've been doing that for 23 years. Now, if they're trying to change that, and as drastically as they seem to be, you know, basically asking you to start two and a half, three and a half hours or two and a half hours early. That, that's a drastic change. Obviously, would make your life, you know, require you to reorganize your life in a significant way. I would say there's a good chance that it is a constructive dismissal. Now, again, that doesn't mean that they want you to go. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to exercise your rights. It could be a constructive dismissal and you could say, OK, you know, I appreciate that this might be an opportunity for me to claim its determination, but nevertheless, I want to continue working. But doing that also means that you've now accepted those hours and you've accepted that they have the right to change your hours. 
Right. So I, I'm, I would say that, yeah, you absolutely don't have to accept that. That is a constructive dismissal, but you could accept it if you want to, knowing as well the repercussions of doing so. Sure. Okay. So by not, by not accepting, uh, that puts the ball in their court in regards to, okay, we're not accepting you, not accepting the hours, and therefore we're going to terminate you. And at that point, it might be, uh, it might be prudent to... Uh, to well... That's one way they might play it. I mean, I can if you kind of work out the scenarios, I think there's a couple of ways they can uh, handle it. And you're right, it does put the ball back in their court. Uh, and I can see them handling one of several ways. Number one is, as you say, they just say, well, we this is the job, and if you can't do it, you're terminated. And that's, to be and to be clear, that's perfectly fine. You know, sure. no nobody can force two parties to work together. If they're saying we want to do this and you're saying I don't want to do that, they can't force you to do it, but they don't have to let you keep your job either. I now, the, sec the, the next scenario is they could just say, well, John, doesn't matter what you think. We're going to do it. You know, these are your new hours, putting, essentially putting the ball back in your court to say, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to claim constructive dismissal or are you going to essentially say, no, I'm going to accept that job? And then lastly, they can... Hold on, we're gonna just got. I just got to stop you, Stan. We really got to get to a break, John. Just hang on if Sorry. you're still there. If not, you want to keep on listening after the break, and we'll let you go. And uh, it's all gonna end up with you giving making a phone call anyway. But we'll finish that last point with Stan in just a moment. Uh, taking a short break here. Want to call four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Stan Fanselberg is your partner at Sefiru Tamarkin LLP. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back. If uh, you have questions about your employment rights, uh, you want to call or contact Stan Fainzelberg right here tonight on air with me, partner at Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. And uh, it's quite simple. That phone number is, is really uh, easy, rather. Give it out all night long, one 855 821 5,900, that is how you do that. But we're still taking our calls here, 416-870-6400. Jonathan had him on the air before, Stan. A few points there, long-time employee, wanted to change some hours. Could be a pretty drastic change. And, uh, you know, what, uh, what do you think in your, uh, for your final point there? Yeah, absolutely. So just to finish that off for you, Jonathan, the last thing I want to mention is term, in terms of what the company could potentially do here is uh, is – give you essentially notice of the change, effectively saying to you, okay, we recognize this is a constructive dismissal, so we're not going to implement that change right now. But, you know, we think you're entitled to 24 months of notice. So, Jonathan, we're telling you that 24 months from now, your job is going to change, and you can either consider, you know, you can accept those changes 24 months from now, or consider this effectively, you know, rote notice, working notice for the purposes of your termination. That was just the last point I wanted to get across to him, John. Could he? I mean, it, it pretty, you know, he's probably, like you said, his his whole life revolves around those hours, and they have for a couple decades. But if he was like, 
Could he go to an employer and say, you know what, I like being here. You're good people. Can I take this out for a spin on a temporary basis? Maybe give it a give it a shot for a couple months. And if it's not jiving with my lifestyle, then I want to go back to the uh, normal 10 to 6 that I've been working forever. Could he do that if he does it in writing, of course? He can absolutely protest the change. And you can actually try out the change. You know, a couple of months, I would say, is maybe on the on the outer limits of what's acceptable. But as long as you're making it clear that, okay, well, guys, you know, I don't know how this is going to go, so I'm not necessarily accepting it, but at the same time, I want to test it out. Maybe it's going to work out. Let's give it a few weeks. Let's give it a month, see how it goes. Absolutely, you can do that while reserving your right to claim constructive if things don't work out at the end of you know your test period. Still taking your calls here live, of course, for the remainder of the show, 416-870-6400 is the number to call in. Want to get to our first email of the night. Anytime you want to send Stan or a member of his team the email, no problem. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Ike is our first guy up, says, hey, Stan, my employer wants uh, to get rid of my annual bonus because they are saying they cannot afford to pay it any longer. This is a huge part of my compensation, about a third I can't afford my uh, myself to lose this money. Is there anything I can do? Yeah, speaking of constructive dismissals, John, I mean, this is uh, about as clear-cut as those tend to get because nothing is clearer when it comes to a fundamental change in the person's employment contract or the terms of their agreement than taking away a lot, bunch of their money. And so if it's in the form of a bonus, it's a if it's in the form of changing your commission structure in a way that you know very clearly reduces your income, or if it's just as simple as, hey, you're making two bucks an hour less this this uh, month or from now on, all of those are very clear fundamental changes to an employment agreement that employees do not have to agree to. They can treat those as terminations. They can walk away, claim constructive dismissal, and fight for their right to severance. Let me ask you this, so if, if Ike's employer wait oh no, he doesn't say uh no, he doesn't say how long he's been getting this bonus for. We'll assume it's a while. Mm-hmm. He says it's an annual bonus. What if we were to or if the employer were to dig up and dust off a contract that said all bonuses, you know, are at are discretionary, at our discretion when we decide to give them, if we can decide to give them, would they have anything to to stand on, the the employer that is in that regard? You know, discretion is one of those really meaningless terms nowadays because, I mean, it obviously means something specific, but everybody uses it so loosely in employment contracts. But just saying that the bonus is discretionary, you know, a discretionary bonus, when I hear that, I think of a Christmas bonus. Some small shop saying, hey, you know, I'm going to give you a couple of bucks at Christmas uh, every year. There's no rhyme or reason to how much it is. It's just a matter of what I feel like giving you or how Mm -hmm. Uh, that's essentially the basis of the decision. You know, when you're talking about something as significant as a third of someone's compensation, very likely that bonus is not so much discretionary as it might be as written on a piece of paper. Very likely that bonus is based on something. Maybe it's sales metrics, maybe it's the company's performance, maybe it's a combina- combination of both. But once you say something is objectively based on something, you can't really say it's discretionary anymore. And from there, you kind of jump to the next question in the case law, which is, is it an, is it an integral component of that person's compensation? And one third of your compensation is no, there's no question, that's integral. That's a huge chunk. So kind of those are tend to be you know, the way we view these. Is it integral? What are the facts on the ground? Is it, you know, is it actually discretionary or is it based on objective measures? 
Your phone call still, by the way, this or any other topic about uh, your job, your employment on behalf of yourself or uh, anybody else, no problem. 416-870-6400, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Oh, by the way, the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, you can use that any time. It's like having an employment lawyer with you at all times on your smartphone, free and anonymous, and rolled into that would be the severance pay calculator portion as well, which is uh Wickedly handy for figuring out what your severance really should be in the event that uh, you need it, right? you got to find out, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Mike is up next. We had Ike. Now we got Mike. My sweet tooth is uh, starting to creep up. Uh, Mike says, had an agreement with my boss that I would go off and get migraine headaches looked at. Was off five weeks. When I came back, he sent me to his other business in another town, which wasn't our original agreement when I protested. He said it was his business and he could do whatever he wants. Is that true? I mean, it's not true in for so many reasons here, Mike. Not only is, you know, obviously you have an agreement to work for one particular business. Now, keep in mind, when you have an agreement to work for a business, very, you know, your agreement is with the business. It's not with the person who's the president. You know, it's not the largest shareholder. A bit, if you're talking about a corporation, that's a legal entity. And your agreement is with that legal entity. So you can't just be shipped to some other legal entity unless you've, you know, again, given them the right to do that or it's somewhere in a contract. Uh, So that's the first issue. But the bigger issue I see in Mike's question is the fact that he went off on what sounds like disability leave. You know, he was dealing with a medical issue, migraines, and went off, I'm assuming leave, based on some sort of medical advice, off on disability leave. And with that comes certain protections, including you know job protection for either your position or a comparable position in your business. So not only is your, your boss doing wrong by you by switching you around to this other business, wherever the hell he's sending you, you know, he's doing wrong by you because he's violating your human rights very likely, Mike. And you should give us a call to discuss that situation. And that number, Mike, as you know, you haven't heard it before. Here it is, 1-855-821-821. 5900 But here and now, always priority. Our listeners had a call through and want to have some questions answered. 416-870-6400. Eric, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hello, good evening. How are you doing? Excellent. What's on your mind, man? Yes, um, I, I bought a house in Peterborough, and I was working in Whitby. So mm-hmm. my, my employers are trying to play, uh, you know, like, a game of you know trying to to make me either leave the job or using an because they want me to be coming from Peterborough to come and do like a a performance improvement program that if I cannot okay. do that they cannot give me a new location in Peterborough whereas I have a contract with them so they also mm-hmm. give me a query uh, a query letter that you know that that I brought COVID COVID is what you get is you know everybody gets COVID even the uh, the, the mm-hmm. Yes, so everybody, like, I got infected with COVID, and then they claim that I use it to infect, uh, I mean, I'm in a healthcare field, that I use it to infect uh, one of the, uh, the the clients we are working with. And because of that, they cannot give me a new location in Peterborough until I, um, you know, until I, I face, like, a query in the previous location. So I have to be driving from Peterborough to Whitby for more than two or three weeks until the manager is satisfied that I'm okay before they can give me a new location. And you, are, you also have to apply for a new location within the same company. Right. Well, so you were working in Whitby 
you're saying before this and when you bought the house in Peterborough, did they make you a promise they would give you this location or did you just assume that like, well, I'm in Peterborough now, can I work here? Yeah, so uh, on their on their on their policy, it says mm-hmm. you know if if you want a new location, you can apply internal internal application. Since I have a contract with uh, with that uh, location, so you can get a contract in a new location. So I had so many opportunities right. while I was applying, but the manager is as if, if she's angry that I bought the house, so I want to leave. So she brought that mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you know she just brought you know dug up something against me, so I can you know. Just like a punishment to me. So there is no promise that you will get a new location, but usually you get a new location because it's is a is internal application. Like you just have to apply and go to a new place. Well, I, I understand that, but at the same time, you know, applying obviously also implies that there's going to be a process by which they can hire you or choose not to hire you. So, you know, it sounds to me like they haven't made you any sort of promises about shifting your location and are, you know, again, they don't actually have to give you that new location, even if they've done it, you know, for all a bunch of other employees before. If, mm-hmm. if it says in the contract that, well, you have to apply to be eligible to get this new location, then again, that that doesn't mean they have to give it to you. That means you have to apply and they can choose to give it to you or choose not to. So unlike, you know, unlike a constructive dismissal where they're forcing you into a new location, you, know, mm-hmm. you also can't force them to give you a different location either. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, it sounds to me like you're just going to have to go through the process of whatever they're setting up to, you know, to, to test whether they're going to give you this job and see if you ultimately qualify. And if not, then you may have to make a decision on whether you want to continue traveling to Whitby. Moving on down the line, 416-870-6400. Uh, Gary, you are up. Good evening. Good evening, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So, uh, uh, last year, uh, after 15 months clean and sober, I relapsed, and uh, I, I ended up going AWOL from my job uh, for three days. I came back mm-hmm. after three days, um, uh, went in with my with my union rep, and sat in front of the HR lady, told them what was going on. Um, two days later, they terminated me. Uh, so, this is last October. Uh, mm-hmm. My union, my union has done close to zero for me. Um, mm-hmm. They've tried to, they've tried to get me my job back in ways that I don't even know really what they're doing. And now, the the last I heard from them, it's very sporadic communication I have with my union. Uh, they said we were going to go to arbitration later on this year. I think in their mind, they were like, as, if we can prolong this as much as possible, maybe he'll just go away and he'll just give up. I mean, in the middle of a pandemic with mental health mm-hmm. issues, um, substance abuse, like we don't have to go far to hear this stuff. And this company had no problem saying, you know what, uh, the hell with this guy, just just mm-hmm. cut, cut him loose. Where's my rights here? Because either I'm missing something or the union and the company just shafted me. Okay. Well, there's a, couple, a lot to unpack there. So... The first thing you have to understand is that your grievance is not yours to control. The union actually controls your grievance, and they can choose to move forward with it, and they can choose not to move forward with it. They have absolute discretion to make whatever choices they want with respect to your grievance against the employer. And unfortunately, there is no other remedy for you except for for you to go through your union here because you can't sue in civil court 
if you're subject to a collective agreement. So, I mean, now to call, nevertheless, I mean, it sounds like your union is trying to help you. I know it may be taking a long time, but the fact that they're actually going to a hearing, that's a positive step, I can tell you from my experience. Because if the union didn't want to help you, trust me when I say they just tell you they're not going to take your grievance forward, and that would be the end of it. And they have, you know, as long as they do the minimal work of showing that they considered the possibility, they looked at the grievance and decided that they just didn't want to go forward with it. That's all they have to do effectively in the law's eyes to, to fulfill their role. They don't have to go to arbitration. So if they are going to arbitration, I would say to you that they're likely trying to help. you. Now there is a secondary source here though, because even though I said you're not, you can't go and file a civil claim, if you can prove that A, you have a uh, alcohol dependency and, they, and that B, you relapse and that was the reason you missed work, then their termination of you is a very clear human rights uh, violation. Can I just you know, tell you, yeah. sorry to interrupt, I'll, I'll just tell you really quickly, I, last November I even built a case, I got a lot of character reference letters, I got a letter from my family doctor, who's been yeah. my family doctor since I was a little baby, knows my whole history, right? And they, the company scoffed at it. The company is like, this means nothing to us. Yeah, I mean, the company is ultimately, obviously has made a decision that they're going to take a hard line. And irrespective of what evidence you put in front of them, they may not change their minds. You know, the, luckily for you, the company isn't the decision maker here. If, they're go, if you're going to an arbitration, you're going to have a third-party neutral arbitrator who's going to see all of that evidence, and I guarantee you they will be interested in that evidence. And they're also, and you know, and they're gonna weigh what the credibility. They're gonna weigh the harm, the risk, all of the different factors in considering what to do with you. And they're gonna make a decision. But you know, it's not the company's role to come to that decision, not the ultimate decision anyway. And, and sorry, getting back to the other point that I was saying. So you actually can pursue a claim against the company here, outside of the union context, at the human rights tribunal. Because even though you're part of a collective agreement, you are allowed to proceed at the Human Rights Tribunal based on discrimination. In this case, what we would call discrimination on the basis of your disability or alcohol dependency. Okay. All right. I appreciate your time, guys. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate your time as well, uh, Gary. Again, still got some minutes here, a few minutes to call in. Stan, there you go. You want an answer, he'll give it to you big time in full. Uh, 416-870-6400 is the uh, the way you do that. Call in for the last few remaining minutes of the show. I want to get to uh, out of here. Ada wrote in uh, email again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. I was recently terminated but told that I have to stay and work until the uh, the end of July. Do I have to stay at this point as it seems unbearable to me to work for a company that has terminated me already? Unfortunately, Ada, you know, we, our laws allow for companies to provide for working notice. Basically what, what's, what's happening in your situation, they're giving you working notice and that's a perfectly acceptable and legal way for them to satisfy their obligations to you. And the reality is that you kind of have to stay till the end of it. Now, you obviously can resign, but that would be a resignation and you wouldn't necessarily have entitlements moving forward after that. If you want to get anything after, you know, the working notice period, 
you you do have to stay and you not only do you have to stay you have to continue to do your job and do it you know in in accordance with what the the employer wants you to do otherwise like if you do if you let's say you did nothing for several weeks you could still actually be fired for cause during your working notice period as well uh the one you know caveat here i would say is that if it is so unbearable and you know if it is causing you so much mental distress and harm that you really feel like you're you know anxious depressed what have you go and talk to a doctor see if they're willing to potentially prescribe you know or give you a medical note that says you don't have to come in for that period because if your if your doctor gives you a medical note saying that you know you're under their care you're suffering from a disability and that you're can't work at this time, then you, know, you don't actually have to do uh, the working notice. Uh, you don't have to come in. Logan, you're up next. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Logan says, guys, can I be fired for not following the provincial health orders pertaining to COVID without having signed any contractual obligation to follow said guidelines prior to being threatened? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's, it's a tough question to answer without really understanding the context here, John. I mean, in terms of what what the guidelines are being requested to be followed, but on a general, you know, from a general perspective, our, a lot of our law is based on this concept of following the best practices. And, and so if a company is going to be asked to create a safe environment from COVID in this particular instance, you know, we can't reasonably expect each company to be expertise to have the expertise to know what they're doing there, to know what they actually need to do to create that safe environment that will meet a certain legal standard. And that's where we where a company is rightfully looking to the government to say, okay, government, what do you expect of us? And if putting out these health standards, these provincial minimum guidelines, if a company is following those guidelines because they're worried about you know infecting their customers, infecting their employees, what have you, then they have a right to expect that you to fight, follow those guidelines as well. I'm not saying they can necessarily terminate you if you don't, but they, they may not have to let you work either. Uh, again, it depends on what the guidelines are. But ultimately, I mean, if, if the government's saying these are what we expect the companies to, to, to follow and to have their employees follow, and these are best practices, a company is well within its right to say, yeah, we're going to follow those guidelines, and we expect you, employee, to follow those guidelines as well. We only got uh, literally two minutes to go, uh, Nick, so I'm going to give you the final call on this one. If you want to ask your question quickly, Stan will uh, give you the best answer he can. Go ahead, pal. All right. Uh my question is this. My sister is a nurse, one of the downtown hospitals, and now they're saying that unless they have uh, the vaccinations, uh, basically they're going to be fired. Does she have any rights here? Well, firstly, if your sister's a nurse, she's probably unionized, so she already yes, has she very limited. Yeah, she's already has limited rights because she's subject to a collective agreement. Uh, and from the case law that's generally come out in terms of requiring people in uh, safety-sensitive positions to get vaccinated, then you know the reality is your your sister probably doesn't have many rights. Uh, in those situation, the the bulk of the law seems to suggest that hospitals have a great you know have a lot of responsibilities to ensure that other people are also safe. And if that means that requiring vaccinations, then most arbitrators in the court seem to be saying that's okay. 
Nick, appreciate the final phone call. That's all we got time for tonight uh, to carry on and talk to Stan, a member of his team, partner in San Firu, to mark an LLP, stlawyers.ca, the website. You can also uh, email help at employmentlawyer.ca. There's also pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the website. And then finally, one 855 821 We'll do it all again Wednesday night right here. Stick around, though. On Point is coming back. Alex Pearson up next, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.